What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, pray with them, and then hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. If you're a first-time listener, I want to encourage you and invite you to hit me up with your questions and your comments on today's episode and your critiques as well at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. That's askfrjosh at ascensionpress.com. And you can also rate us and review us on iTunes. And this helps other people discover the show. If the show is a gift for you, then potentially it can become a gift for them as well. On today's show, our topics are going to be about spiritual direction. Like, How do I discern a spiritual director? What is it supposed to be like? What is it not? We're going to talk about fasting and, and how ought I fast depending on my state of life, the season of life that I'm currently in, and also voting. And a voting is coming up, and so how do I vote as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as someone who wants to be a saint in my walk toward eternity? Before we get jumping into those topics... I want to share with you a glory story. So last week we talked about a glory story about me and my buddy, Father Ruben Dykes, whenever we accidentally broke into somebody's house and, uh, and God saved us from dying, uh, from doing that. It was an accident, uh, but it was, it was a memorable accident. And so this is our, the, the, the next, uh, the next entry into the adventures of Father Josh and Father Ruben. And so, uh, one, uh, one year, Father Ruben and I recently, we went to, uh, Assisi to go pray. Over there, that's where St. Francis was, St. Clair. And it's just, it's like a bubble of holiness. It's one of those places that you go and it's super easy and conducive to just enter into intimacy with Christ. And so we, uh, we decided to, to go during our, our week for priest, priestly retreat week. Uh, we had an option of either going here in town locally or we could do our own thing. And so we went out there and neither one of us is directionally challenged. Uh, him, he's more so has better sense of directions than me, but I'm certainly directionally challenged. I get lost in my own neighborhood. I get lost all the time. I do house blessings, and I, I quite often will get lost whenever I'm going to bless people's houses. I got to call my secretary all the time, administrator assistant. I'm like, hey, I'm lost. And she's like, again? So I'm just, I've never been good with directions. And so when I travel, I, I expect that I might get lost a few times here and there. But when we went to CC, I had no idea how much, how much we would get into trouble. So we went to New Orleans airport and we flew out of that airport to go to Atlanta and the New Orleans airplane did not leave on time because there's some issues with the plane. And so we missed our connecting flight to Atlanta, got to Atlanta, had to book another flight. Instead of going directly to Rome, we had to go through Amsterdam to Rome. We got to Amsterdam and then I'm guiding the way because we're like rushing to get to the gate from the, the, the flight that landed. And even though I'm directionally challenged, I was doing a pretty good job. And I said, dude, I'm pretty sure this is the gate we're supposed to go on. And he said, nope, we're supposed to go down there. And because I don't trust myself whenever I travel, I'm like, dude, I trust you, whatever, let's go. And so I followed him. And we went down where he said we should go. And guess what we ended up? Customs. We ended up in customs in Amsterdam. And so I said, oh, man, this is definitely not the gate. He said, yeah, you're right. So I said, let's turn around. Well, guess what? Once you go through customs, you can't turn around. So they said, you have to wait here. We're going to call security. Well, their time in Amsterdam is different from our time in America because they called security and security never came. And I'm looking at my watch like, man, we are about to miss our flight. So I went up to the desk and I said, can I talk to security myself? And I said, look, 
we are trying to get to Assisi. I want to go be with Jesus. Please let us go. And so they got us through really quick. We ran to the gate. Door is shut. We can't get on that flight. Have to book another flight. Oh, man. Okay, bummer. It's cool, though, right? In God's providence, God is always blessing us. God permitted us to happen. It's cool. We book another flight to Rome from Amsterdam. And then when we go to that gate, we can't find a way in. It was it was this weird thing where there was like this wall up and it was a see-through wall and we saw the people at the gate, but we didn't know how to get through the wall to the gate. And we were like looking at these people saying, how do we get in? And, and so we are about to miss that flight because they're boarding. And so Father Ruben's like, dude, what do we do? And he said, you know what? There is this red button right here. How about we push this red button that is attached to this door? Maybe that's going to open up this door, which will get us behind this this see-through glass wall. And I'm thinking, that does not sound like a good idea. But, again, I trust you. So he pushes the the red button, and it was, it was Father Ruben and myself, and then there, there's a young couple there. I think they were just, like, recently married from Africa. And so they were also trying to get to the gate to go to Rome. And, and so he pushes the red button. The door opens. But as the door opens the alarm goes off in the airport. And so we walk through the door and security runs toward us. So now I'm thinking I'm about to get arrested in Amsterdam. So I go running the other way <laughs> and we stopped because we couldn't get far. And, uh, and they start questioning us. Like, well, who, who did it? Who pushed the red button? And I'm looking at this young, newly married African couple who they were really nice when we met them. I'm looking at them like, you know, I don't know them too well. I got to get to the CC. I'm trying to go pray with Jesus I'm just going to say they did it and get away. <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, the thought did cross my mind, but we didn't do that. And Father Ruben said, please, let them go. They're innocent. It was me. And so I, I stood over to the next side next to that couple. I'm like, yeah, let us go, right? My, my ancestors from Africa, too. I'm with them. And uh, like, deuces to you, Father Ruben, because I'm, I want to go pray with Jesus, bro. And I'm not going to let our friendship get in the way of me having intimacy with Christ. And so I allowed him to get arrested. And I'm, I'm just joking. No, so then they ended up letting us go eventually. And turns out our gate was moved again. We had to run to the other side of the airport and finally got to Rome, got to Rome. Bags were missing. And it was just another story, another episode in the adventures of Father Josh and Father Reuben. We got there eventually, and it was really beautiful. One of the things he said, though, that, that uh, was very profound for me is that uh, he just said, this is the Father blessing us, right? The Father is blessing us in all of this. And that's one thing Therese would always say is that the Father is constantly blessing us. He's only giving us that which is good for us. And so for whatever reason, all those little things that happened along the way were a gift. They were a gift for us because we don't need, we didn't need to get there on time. We didn't need the comfort of that, right? We have Jesus and Jesus is sufficient. And so it was all good. And it was another step for us to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And and of course, we got to CC and it was powerful, beautiful, and prayer was amazing and awesome because Jesus is good. And uh, yeah, so that's the glory story this week is that the Father, even when it seems like he's not blessing us, he really is. He really is. And in our walk toward eternity, once we get there to heaven, we'll see all the ways that the Father was looking out for us and giving us exactly what we needed to become purified and become saints in the kingdom of heaven. So that's the glory story for this week. All right, following up some, some feedback, uh, feedback from our listeners. The first feedback comes from Lisa. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Remember that? Wasn't that a, a, a group back in the 80s? Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. I don't know. 
I think she was, yeah, I think it was. I don't know. But Lisa writes this, I found your podcast after hearing you on the Catholic Feminist Podcast. Shout out to the Catholic Feminist. I had, I had a blast on that podcast. It was so much fun. I was the very first priest that was ever invited to, to go on that show. And, and so that was um, a lot of fun. But anyways, Lisa says this, when I saw that you had addressed chronic pain, I was eager to listen. I have suffered chronic migraines for at least five years. I used to pray for healing, but I've come to a realization that it is not the prayer Jesus wants from me. For the past couple of months, I've been trying to learn about redemptive suffering and how to suffer gracefully, and I've been coming up short. So much of what I found has been about why God allows suffering, but nobody could tell me how to suffer. I've been working with my spiritual director, talking with my women's group, and and praying to the saints for help, and just feeling so lost that I could not figure out this redemptive suffering thing. This past Friday, I woke up with a migraine, and I listened to your episode on chronic pain. So much clicked for me. It brought me a comfort and an understanding that I had been seeking for months. I listened to that episode three times this week to help me get through the migraine, and I am so grateful for your words. I can now see a purpose for my suffering. Ah, praise. Praise be Jesus Christ. Isn't the Lord good? The Lord always provides, doesn't he? So, uh... I'm going to pray for you, Lisa. Suffer well. Suffer well, sister. And, and specifically, I'm going to pray for you if it's God's will for you to be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Amen. And if it's not his will for you to be healed right now, uh, then uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, suffer well. Suffer well for your, for your sanctification and for the sanctification of the entire church and for the glory of God our Father. Amen. All right. And our second feedback comes from Roya. I like that name, Roya. Cause you never be Roya, Roya. It can, so it's not Royal, but it's Roya, Roya, Roya. I like that. So Roya says, "I'm a mother of five. My children range from 15 to one year old twins. We attend mass as a family, and your podcast on children crying was just what my soul needed. We are so respectful of others and never let our child scream or cry out in church. We attempt to quiet them down, but if we can't," We move to the quiet room. However, sometimes the looks we get just sitting down with a large family can be hurtful. So I'm truly grateful for addressing this issue. Your podcast is amazing, and we are blessed to have you. Well, I'm blessed to have you, Roya, and your family, uh, and your 15-year-old to your one-year-old twins. And what a gift you are to the church. And if people are giving you ugly stares, you know what my mama always said, give them a reason to stare. So if people are looking at you ugly, I would just encourage you to dig in your nose. Start digging in your nose and give them something to look at or or something like that, right? Um, Because otherwise, yeah, I'm just joking. Just pray for them. Say God bless you. Love on them. But, yeah, so that's our feedback. And keep hitting me up with those feedback. Just follow up from the podcast. I can't can't wait to hear more from you. All right. Now let's jump into today's topics. Today's topics, again, are spiritual direction, fasting, and voting as disciples of Jesus Christ. First question comes in from Sophie. Sophie writes this about spiritual direction. My husband and I both feel like we need some spiritual direction, but we don't really know how it works or how to go about finding someone, especially when priests are so busy. Could you possibly explain how spiritual direction works and give some advice about finding a spiritual director? Sophie, really, really, really good question. I think that um, I'm uh, super just excited to talk about this because, yeah, I think there's a huge misunderstanding about spiritual direction in today's world. First, I think let's just address what spiritual direction is not. Spiritual direction is not 
uh, pastoral counseling. It's not getting somebody to be like a life coach. That's a life coach, and it's a pastoral counselor. It's not counseling, right? Uh, that's a counselor. And I think many people, most of us need counselors and pastoral counselors and life coaches in our walk to help us to become the best version of ourselves. But spiritual direction is specifically about growing in our relationship with Christ, with God, and, and having someone accompany us in discerning how God is operative in our life and where God is inviting us to go next in our walk toward becoming a saint. I don't think everybody and their mama needs to have a spiritual director, though. Uh, there is a popular thing that's going on where everybody has to have a spiritual director, like right, because they know their friends have one, so they want one. But not everybody should have one because some people aren't even living in the spiritual life. Right. Um, and so uh, a spiritual director is really for people who are striving to grow in their relationship with Christ and actually are living a spiritual life. Uh, one of my buddies one time, um, he was walking with somebody. So a bunch of people were going a spiritual direction and, and this person's circle of friends. And this, this other person said, well, I want a spiritual director because all my friends have a spiritual director. And so this person asked one of my buddies, can you be my spiritual director? And this person never even prayed. This person didn't even go to mass on Sundays. Person hadn't been in confession in years, and they didn't plan on going, but they wanted a spiritual director. That doesn't work, right? In order to have a spiritual director, one must have a spiritual life. One must be actively striving to live in a state of grace. And so there's typically like three stages of the spiritual life, the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive stage. The purgative is like where you're being purged of your vices, growing in virtue. Illuminative is where you're receiving the extraordinary graces from the Lord. And unitive stage is where we're receiving this gift from the God. It's not something that we do ourselves, but it's more so a receptive gift from the Holy Spirit. And uh, But we're totally not in control of what's happening in our relationship with the Lord. And... Spiritual directors are typically people that help help individuals discern where they at right now in this season of their life and how to best pray, how to best encounter Jesus and walk with the Lord in that particular season of life. A spiritual director is somebody who typically has a charism of spiritual direction, which really comes from a charism of encouragement. Charisms are gifts that we receive at baptism, the supernatural gifts that we receive. From the Holy Spirit. We don't pick them. They're given to us. Some people are given the gift of administration at their baptism. They're given the gift of healing. They're given the gift of, of evangelization. They're given the gift of encouragement. There's all these different gifts that we receive at baptism from God. And so if a person has received that charism of encouragement, it's typically best utilized in spiritual direction with other people. But I wouldn't settle for the charism alone. One should also if they're going to be administering spiritual direction to individuals, they should also be striving to live the spiritual life. They should try daily to, to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, personal holiness is really good, but they should also study the masters. Right? Studying John the Cross and Teresa of Avila, Thomas Aquinas, Ignatius of Loyola. Because when you study the masters, you can learn about discernment of spirits. What's the spirit of God? What's the spirit of the, of the enemy? What's my... What's my voice? What's the devil's voice? What's the world's voice? What's the Holy Spirit's voice? Uh, we can learn about desolation and consolation, about uh, darkness and dryness and the dark night and, and what God's doing, the active night, passive night, right? Through Teresa of Avila and John the Cross. Through Thomas Aquinas, we learn about virtue and vice and what's the dominant vice in this person's life right now. They're in the purgative stage and, and what's the virtue that God is inviting them to cultivate right now so they can eradicate that vice from their lives and their walk toward eternity, right? So it's good to walk with people as a spiritual director who, who know the spiritual life, who are living the spiritual life, 
and, and who also have received that charism from the Holy Spirit uh, at their baptism. But again, spiritual direction is not for everybody. So if you want a spiritual director, first and foremost, you should be trying, actively trying to live a spiritual life. Like you should be going to Mass every Sunday, and you should be praying daily, and you should be actively trying to grow in virtue, and then you get somebody to walk with you and accompany you. Uh, the person that you invite to accompany you, uh, you should be totally transparent with that person. Like, don't try to come off and act like you are the best thing since whatever, since since Miracle Whip, right? Nah, be totally vulnerable with that person, whether that person is a lay person or religious or a priest, uh, and and let them see all of you. That way, that way they're not going to become a friend or, or admire you. The second we want our spiritual director to admire us, it's no longer spiritual direction. I, I met somebody one time, and it was not a directee, but someone that I met, and they were just trying to boast about all their gifts of the Spirit and their charismatic gifts and how awesome they were and how holy they were. And so I just started asking a few questions, and it turned out this person was, like, living in some serious mortal sins, like straight up, like grave, grave, grave things they were doing. I said, do you really think God wanted you to talk to me today so that you could talk to me today about how awesome you are? Or do you think God brought us together so that I can help you um, get to heaven and, and not go to hell for what you're doing, right? And so we should never try to impress our spiritual directors. We, we need to be vulnerable with them and, and, and allow them to um, direct us, not just listen to us, but direct us and give us direction um, in our walk with Jesus of what is best for us if we're right now in the purgative stage or what is best for us if we're in the illuminated stage or what is best for us if we're in the unity stage. Um, we don't just want somebody that's going to listen to us. That's a spiritual companion. That's a spiritual friend. Uh, again, I don't think everyone needs a spiritual director. A wise archbishop once said to some young priest, he said, look, there's, there's not enough priests right now to do a lot of spiritual direction for your parishioners. Right? You need to be present to the sacraments and do that which you are ordained to do. And so um, instead of taking on individuals as spiritual directees, like when you preach your homilies, the priest should be giving spiritual direction in the homilies. And when you're in the confessional with people, uh, give them good, wise advice in the confessional. And then encourage them to take part in small groups, Bible studies, uh, and to have holy friendships. And give them good books to read, like The Fulfillment of All Desire or The Soul of the Apostle, like good books that can help them in their walk with Jesus. But um, because of the shortage of priests, a lot of priests just can't take on too many direct these. Uh, we would be burning ourselves out. And so uh, there are a lot of lay people who have received that charism and who are qualified and who are living who are living the spiritual life. And so they can certainly accompany you. But again, don't make spiritual direction pastoral counseling. If you're just going there to talk about your problems in life with your family and your friends, uh, unless you're talking about how those problems affect your relationship with Jesus, it's not really spiritual direction. It's pastoral counseling. And so we don't want to confuse the two. So uh, for you and your husband, um, Sophie, I would encourage you, first of all, to discern, do you really need a spiritual director or do you just need holy friendships? Do you need regular confession, daily mass, stuff like that? Um, I had another point I wanted to share. What was the other point? Let me think real quick. Do, 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 do. And that point has totally missed my mind, and so I'm just not going to address it. But yeah, do you need... Oh, wait, up! it's coming to me. In the name of Jesus, is it coming to me? If it's coming to me for my good and you're good, then it's going to come. If it's not, then it's not going to come. There it is. It came to me. Also, a wise wise archbishop also once said that, especially for priests, just so that priests won't burn themselves out, um, if... 
they are accompanying people who are discerning a vocation, then those are people that they should give spiritual direction to. Not because of vocation, and when I say vocation, I mean a vocation specifically to a religious life or priesthood. Um, not that marriage is not a holy vocation because it is an awesome vocation where people become saints. But because they're so limited, they should focus on people who are discerning and also people who are involved in like serious ministry, whether it's deliverance ministry or they're like DREs or they're parish administrators or they're involved in like RCA or leading Bible studies. Like those are people that might need spiritual directors, but other people um, can get direction from other very qualified ministers or they can just have holy friendships, small group Bible studies, daily mass, frequent confessions, and read good books on the spiritual life. So hopefully that helps you out, Sophie. Not sure, um, but uh, I I think that that's all I got for right now. Let me know, what do you think? If you have any additional advice, critiques, comments about spiritual direction, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at EssentialPress.com. All right, our next question is about fasting. This comes from Nicholas. Nicholas. Nicholas says this. My name is Nicholas. I would like to start by saying you have put into perspective an understanding of God's words and teachings for me with these podcasts. Ah, praise God, Nicholas. And I pray that the Lord allows you to continue to help guide us on our path to understanding and accepting him as our Savior. That's the goal. Jesus, he's our Savior. I'm a 29-year-old veteran. Thank you for your service who has done sin my whole life. Yeah, who you telling, brother? Me too. It pains me to admit my sins, but it has to be done. Recently, I truly began to accept Christ in my heart, and it has been amazing. My fiance, whom I love dearly, and I were having a baby, and so I'm happy and I'm overjoyed, and I know that the Lord forgives us, you know, because in my heart, I know that if he hadn't, there would be no way we would be blessed with a baby. Praise God for that life. I'm crying while writing this from joy. I want to help. I want help and guidance in fasting properly, though. I feel that I have to do more to please the Lord, and this is not forced feelings. I want to show the Lord my dedication, my devotion for Him, in thanks and in gratitude by sacrificing something I enjoy. However, I want to make sure I'm doing it correctly. Thank you, sir, for any help and guidance on this. I hope you have a blessed weekend, Nicholas. All right, Nicholas, great, great question. So to put it simply, the purpose of fasting is so that we can have more time for Jesus, right? Jesus really wants to be in a relationship with us. And sometimes we have too many unnecessary distractions in our life, like both good and bad distractions that keep us from being totally sold out for Christ. And so when we fast from things that give us pleasure, from things that make us feel good, we feel that. Like we can feel what we're missing and that should remind us, okay, I know I'm missing this right now. This, I really want to eat something right now, and I can feel the hunger. And so this reminds me how much I ought to be longing for Jesus. And I'm going to turn to Jesus right now instead of turning to some passing pleasure to fulfill this passing desire of mine. All right, so fasting should open us up to a deeper attachment to Christ, detachment from passing pleasures, both good and bad, and attachment to Jesus Christ. And whenever we don't fast, we aren't really aware of how much we need the Lord. And specifically, just like speaking from my own journey, like I, like you, brother, I fell in love with the Lord and, and I recognized how much he loved me and it was really healing that he loved me in my brokenness and in my sins and he was calling me to be a saint and it was really beautiful and, and I was growing in my relationship with him in many ways, but I was still falling into some very bad habits, some very grave sins. And it wasn't until I began to incorporate fasting into my, my daily life 
that I found freedom from some of these things that were keeping me from growing into an even deeper intimacy with Christ and serving the church at a greater capacity that the Lord was inviting me to. And so fasting, it really helps us to conform our life to Jesus so that we can be credible witnesses because people need witnesses. Pope Paul VI said that the world today doesn't listen to teachers, listens to witnesses. And if we're still giving into some really serious bad habits, then sometimes people are going to say, you're a hypocrite and I'm not going to listen to you. But whenever we fast, it, it gives us the, the opportunity to be a witness for Christ by the way of our life. And the saints, they all remind us of this. Like The saints remind us um, that, that fasting is really necessary in our walk toward eternity. But they also remind us that we should fast in such a way that enables us to fulfill our duties in our state of life. And so, for instance, if you like have a job uh, Nicholas, where you are working really long hours and you're carrying a lot of weights and it's physically demanding, then I wouldn't suggest that you fast from food the way that a monk can fast from food, right? A monk who spends most of his day in prayer and, and in community who have other brothers to hold him accountable. And, but right. So like I would suggest fasting still, but like maybe every Wednesday and Friday doing some kind of fast, but not necessarily like a hardcore fast, until your body can work up to that, if it can work up to that. I would also suggest that you fast if you're healthy. If you're not healthy, you shouldn't be fasting from things in a serious way. You should be fasting from other things in life, but not like a lot of food. Um, if you are pregnant and you have a baby inside your body, clearly if you're pregnant, you're going to have a baby inside your body. But if you're pregnant, you should not like, do hardcore fast. But you can still fast from food that gives you pleasure, but you want to eat healthy food that way you're sustaining your baby's life. When I was at LSU, I would walk with a lot of young women who uh, who wanted to grow in the spiritual life, uh, but they didn't understand their bodies. And so I would encourage them to find someone to help them to chart their cycles. That way they knew whenever you know, whenever a woman's period comes, the week before her period, she's typically in a lot of pain. And so I would, I would encourage her that week, let your let your cramps be your, your suffering. And you fast the week after that. But like, don't add extra fasting to that moment. Like allow that to be your cross and offer it up. And then the following week, fast from other things that give you pleasure. But that week, you know, maybe have a cookie or something like that. (laughs) Make yourself feel a little bit better. And so look at your state of life, look at your season of life, and and then incorporate fasting in such a way that is conducive for you to still be present to the Lord, to long for the Lord in prayer, and also be present to your state of life, responsibilities, including your work and your family as well. Pope Benedict uh, the 16th, uh, he is just a boss. His writings, I think he's going to be a doctor of the church one day, potentially. Uh, but he wrote a lot about fasting as well. And he said that fasting, it is a, it's a spiritual arm to do battle against every possible disordered attachment to ourselves. Right? We are not supposed to be attached to ourselves. We're supposed to be attached to Jesus. And when we fast, we detach from ourselves and attach to Christ. He said that fasting is therapy to heal all that prevents us from conformity to the will of God and that fasting assists us to mortify our egoism and open our heart and love to God and to love our neighbor, which is what Jesus Christ tells us to do in the gospel. What's the greatest commandment? Love God and love your neighbor. And so fasting is really essential for us in our walk toward eternity. The, the church even indicates that um, if, if we're not fasting, we're not really praying, right? It's incapable uh, to pray well if we're not fasting well. The Council of Trent, the Catechism of the Council of Trent says this, 
um, that fasting is most intimately connected with prayer. So for the mind of one who is filled with food and drink, his, his mind becomes so borne down that he's not able to raise himself to contemplate God, to even understand what prayer means, because we're so caught up in ourselves. So when we indulge in all these comforts outside of prayer, then prayer for us will be about comfort. We want prayer to image the rest of our life. But whenever we could deny ourselves, then we can go deeper with Jesus in prayer to the cross. And from the cross, we can experience the resurrection. And so uh, whenever it comes to fasting, this goes back to spiritual direction. If you have a spiritual director, be prudent and share everything transparent with your spiritual director about fasting. Let your director help you to discern what's a better fast for you. If you don't have a spiritual director because you're not called to have one, and then talk to your friends about it. Have friends who are in your like spiritual friends that you can have accompany you and hold you accountable and check on you. That way they can help you discern if it's bearing fruit or if it's too much or if it's too little. And they can help you to fast in such a way that is most conducive for you to grow in your relationship with Christ and manifest Christ in the world. Again, a general rule, always think about like Wednesdays and Fridays as fast days. Like those are good days to fast. And you can fast from on strictly bread and water. You can fast on two small meals, one main meal a day. You can do one meal throughout the day. Uh, you can fast from pleasure, so like no salt, pepper, no dressing on your food, whatever. Uh, there's many different ways to fast when it comes to food. If food is not something you can fast from because of your health, then fast from television, fast from radio, fast from hot showers, fast from sleeping on the bed, fast from different things that give you comfort so that you can recognize in your heart and your mind the reality of Christ and his invitation for you to become an intentional disciple in your walk toward eternity. So what do y'all think? Do you have any additional advice for Nicholas? Then write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about voting. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you can record a voice note, send it to me as well. We can play it on the show in the future. And also, don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the show. If the show is helpful for you, potentially it might be helpful for other people as well. All right, voting. This question comes in from your sister in Christ. My sister in Christ writes this. Thank you for the gift of your podcast. I listen to it on my way to work, and it puts my mind in a great place and space for the whole day. My question is a bit controversial. With elections coming up, I've always wondered how do we pick a candidate when either side agrees with something we speak against in the Catholic Church? For example, a Democratic candidate might be pro-choice, but a Republican candidate might speak out against immigration. Is there a specific issue we should be focused on? I've always considered myself neither Republican nor Democratic because my identity is I am a daughter of Christ. But... I do struggle with knowing which side to vote for in an election. I know this has the potential to ruffle some feathers, but I've always wanted to know what the church calls for us to vote for. 
Thank you again for hosting an awesome podcast. Again, your sister in Christ. Great, great question, uh, my sister in Christ. So I'm going to give you like five points to think about whenever it comes to voting. The first thing to do is to examine the political party's platforms. So every party, major party, has a platform of things that they typically stand by. The Republicans have a platform. The Democrats have a platform. The Libertarians have a platform. Uh, what's the new, there's a new socialist movement called uh, something, the new socialist, uh, I don't know whatever they're called, but they all have like typical platforms of what they stand for. And so then your duty is to examine first and foremost those platforms and look at what do they stand for as a, as a party. I think what you will find once you examine the political platforms of all the major parties is most of them have, have, platforms that they stand for as as a party um, that are anti-Catholic, anti-gospel, and anti-Jesus Christ. Uh, They're they're currently in the United States of America isn't a major party that has a political platform, uh, major political party, that is um, totally Catholic, that is totally in line with the Gospels, and that is totally in line with uh, Jesus Christ. So as a disciple, you first must look at, okay, what are the platforms of the parties? Then after you look at the platforms of the parties, look at the candidates, the specific candidates that are running for that party, for the specific office that they're going for. Because they may or may not be in total agreement with their party's major platforms. There are candidates who run for a particular party who disagree with some of the things in their platform of the party that go against their faith, that go against their morals, and they let the voters know, hey, look, even though I'm Republican, I stand for X, Y, and Z, but I don't stand for this. Even though I'm a Democrat, I stand for X, Y, and Z, but I don't stand for this, that, and the other. Even though I'm a Libertarian, this is what I stand for, but I don't support this. And if you vote for me, I will be X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to go against this, even though my party in general supports those things. Uh, th- there was somebody I know who, who did this um, in, in, in my, my lifetime. Um, There's a, a guy who he was a devout Catholic. I would consider him a disciple of Christ. And uh, he was running for the Democratic Party, which typically has a pro-choice platform as a party. But he was very much pro-life. Um, and he assured his potential voters that if you vote for me when I get into office, I'm going to fight for babies, for unborn babies and for their mothers. I will fight for the family. Um, he, he let everybody know I'm a Catholic, first and foremost. And this particular candidate actually won his election. And when he got into office, he... Uh, enacted a bunch of pro-life policies, um, a bunch of really pro-life, pro-baby policies that were just really beautiful. Um, but again, he he was letting people know, like, even though my party stands for this, I don't. And so the other thing to do is to look at the candidate and say, does the candidate support everything in their party's platform or only some things and stand for other things? Um, then after you look at the candidate, you discern the candidate's voting record, if they have one? What has their voting record been if they have one? And are they just lying to me when they say they want my vote because they're going to be X, Y, or Z? Or do they have a history that shows that they actually support policies that are in line with Jesus Christ and the church that Jesus Christ founded 2,000 years ago? So those are the first three points. Fourth point is, how do you register? Right? Because uh, some people are like staunch. They're like, man, I am like, I'm a socialist or I'm a communist or I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican or I'm a libertarian or I'm an Indian, whatever, whatever I am, like all these different whatevers. Um, I would encourage you if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, as you said, my sister in Christ and um, a faithful Catholic 
to to certainly register to vote so you can vote, but to always like approach it this way, potentially, right? This is my my invitation. I'm a I'm a devout Catholic. I'm a beloved son of the Father. I am a man who is striving to be a disciple of Christ. And I registered to vote as a fill in the blank Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whatever the other parties are. I registered to vote that way because I believe that God can use me to reform this party from within because not every single platform for this party is in line with Jesus Christ and his church. And I think God can use me to bring about a reformation in this particular party. As we know from history, parties change their platforms over the years. Historically speaking, the Democrats stood for things in the old days that they don't stand for today. Historically speaking, Republicans in the old days stood for things that they don't stand for today. And so they changed because the people who were within those parties and who were used as agents to transform those parties to be what they are today for good or for bad, right? People chose to stay and say, I believe I can be used. And we, we have that power to change parties, right? We do. We have the power of the dollar. They listen to our money. And so wherever you put your money, that's what they're going to listen to. All right, so that's the fourth point, is to not identify yourself with your politics before your Savior, before Jesus, and before your faith. You're a disciple of Christ first. You are a faithful Catholic first. And then you happen to be registered as this because you believe that this is the best one out of the lesser of one, two, three, four, five, or six evils. Um, and you believe you can be used by God to transform it from within. And not that you think that this party is the best thing ever because none of them are. If you look at all their platforms, they all have a lot of things that are broken. But God can use people to redeem them from within, potentially, right? They can be used that way. And then finally, as a Christian, um, you don't have to settle either for what our parties look like right now in America, right? Sometimes I think we settle and we think, well, we just have to be this or we have to be that. Uh, we don't. Like there have been other places where Christians came together and said, we want to, to all come together to put our money together and to start a new party that has the values of Jesus Christ and that is based in Catholic social teaching. And and that's the party that we're going to support. And then those parties can come to the top and rise and overthrow um, parties that might not be best um, for individuals in their walk toward eternity. This happened in Poland with the Solidarity Party. Um, and so it has happened before. It has a precedence. And so no one ever has to settle for something that, like, well, I'm just going to be this because it's the lesser of the two evils. Now, why even be any evil at all? Why not try to strive for perfection? And clearly it's not going to be perfect because there's no such thing as utopia on this side of heaven. However, we can... We can um, have the, the option and the choice and, and the power to, to, to do that if we feel called by God through our time spent with him in prayer and the scriptures and before the Blessed Sacrament. If he tells us to do that, we can do it. So uh, hopefully that helps. If examine the political party's platforms. Uh, examine the candidate who represents that party. Uh, examine the voting history of that candidate. Examine your own conscience and why are you registering as X, Y, or Z? And do you believe that God can use you? to reform X, Y, or Z from within, and then uh, to never settle for mediocrity? And do you also feel that God might be calling you to, to start something new that can be totally rooted in Jesus Christ and the Gospels and the church he founded 2,000 years ago? So hopefully that helped you out a little bit, my sister in Christ, with your voting predicament. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. Regardless of your circumstances, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. Universal point about spiritual direction is this. 
God's calling you to be a saint. And so your path of discernment is, do I need to have an official spiritual director accompany me? If you do, and you're in my parish, Wendy Inlow can accompany you. She works for me here at the church, and she's awesome. Uh, but if you don't need a spiritual director, then who am I going to get to accompany me as spiritual friends and spiritual companions in my walk toward Jesus? Uh, universal point about fasting is the point of it is we deny ourselves stuff so we can have more room for Jesus. And universal point about voting is that we are called to be informed. We are called to inform our consciences, and our consciences should be rooted in Jesus Christ and in the church that he founded in all of her teachings, which help us to know that which is good and that which is evil. And we should not, not, not um, settle for evil. We should, we should strive for that which is good. And the greatest good, of course, is Jesus. So that's today's show. Hopefully that helps. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I just ask that you just give all of us the grace to, to be drawn to you, to be drawn to a deeper intimacy with you, and to not settle for mediocre prayer time, and to not settle for distractions in prayer, but to really just fight for a deeper intimacy with you in the scriptures, in the word inscribed, but Lord, also in the blessed sacrament, the word made flesh. Lord, give us the grace to strive to encounter you in the word among us, the people who are in our community, our messy families, our messy friendships, our messy co-workers, to really just strive to perceive you throughout the day so we can be transformed by you. We want to long for heaven, Lord, and we want to be used by you to transform our society, to transform our world. That way our world, our world can all encounter your, your love and not settle for sin, but, but strive for grace, strive for intimacy with you, strive for holiness, strive for heaven. Yeah, Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us and for choosing us. Give us the grace to be saints. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.